Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a uh, Thanksgiving edition here of the Sea Report. We're coming to you live on this Thursday, November 25th, 2021. I am your host, Mr. C. I hope everyone is doing well out there and you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, we're coming to you guys just a little bit earlier than uh, we anticipated today, and I think that's uh, eh, that's a pretty good call to have made. Uh, we uh, didn't have too much going on here at the old Sea Homestead, and so I figured uh, we'll get in an early report, you know, get to bed early, enjoy the rest of the holidays, and I hope everyone is having a wonderful Thanksgiving out there in our great nation that is these United States of America and abroad, of course, of course, of course, although, you know, <coughs> Thanksgiving doesn't really count for uh, many other uh, countries out there, I would say, fairly so, nonetheless, uh, so to speak. And um, I don't know, uh, we had a pretty quiet day, like I said, over here at the old Sea Homestead. Not much going on. I hope all of you guys got your turkey on. Hopefully all of those ridiculous inflationary prices weren't too much of a debacle. Hopefully you guys are surrounded by family and friends and having a wonderful day. Uh, as I certainly know, it has been a restful day here. And uh, we have a few new stories for you guys today, uh, just to kind of break on through. Uh, we're doing, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say it. We're, we're doing, a, you know, a special happy Thanksgiving election fraud day today. So you'll be able to expect most of that happening uh, for the rest of the show. Uh, we'll be on for maybe an hour or two, eh, maybe two at the most. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up later on this evening. And then I could tell you, like, I don't know what kind of a Thanksgiving uh, uh, time frame you guys and y'all's families are. You know, you have those people that like to have their Thanksgiving dinner around noontime, right? And then you have those people who like to have it around uh, two or three in the afternoon. Then if you're like me, you like to have your Thanksgiving dinner for dinner. And uh, so that would be like right around 5 or 6 p.m. But uh, there is no turkey at the old sea homestead today. But that's not because of inflationary prices. It's because, well, I mean, there's not a lot of us here. And uh, I, <laughs> as I've been ill, uh, my appetite is not that uh, great right now. So we decided to go ahead and uh, um, put the turkey back in the freezer for now. Uh, and do some other things. But uh, if you have any leftovers, please do feel free to send them my way. And I will definitely help you guys out with that. Uh, but other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go ahead and jump straight into the news before we get going. Of course, we are live on multiple streams right now. And I uh, would like to take a moment to remind all of you, ladies and gentlemen, fine people of the audience to uh, visit us over at thecreport.com. But also, 
um, to check us out at our podcast that is at anchor.fm slash the C report. And actually, you can uh, find the C report podcast on any of your favorite podcast players. Uh, you can subscribe for free and you'll never miss an episode. Uh, we'll get those uploaded right and early today. And today is actually the first time we've ever done a happy Thanksgiving episode. So that's pretty cool. Incidentally, it is also our 200th episode of the Sea Report. So, uh, um, well, uh, yeah, I'll pat myself on the back. There we go. <laughs> you did it, Mr. C. You made it to 200 episodes, but I think I'll be happier whenever we make it to uh, a year of the C Report. So I think for me, my, my personal milestone for the C Report will to do a full rotation around the sun of the C Report. That will be the true testament of time, uh, at least for uh, the way I kind of keep track of things. We'll have that coming up. Oh, let's see. February, February, February 2nd should put us around uh, the um, um, one year anniversary of the Sea Report. So, uh, you know, I might I might have a little spritzer later on to celebrate our 200th episode. But uh, for sure, I'd like to thank the audience uh, on all platforms, particularly if you are um, listening and or watching over at the foxhole.app or pill.net. If you're hanging out with us on Twitch, or if you are listening over at our podcast over at anchor.fm slash the sea report, thank you so much from my heart to yours for being a part of uh, this journey that uh, I have taken on uh, just relaying the news and headlines. Uh, I'm not about making the news. I'm not about breaking the news. I'm just about sharing the news. And that's really all I do. Um, and uh, to that end, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all for being part of the journey. And uh, I thank all of those who return uh, to the uh, hallowed halls. Yeah, we're not so hallowed as much as we are hollow, right? Over here at the Sea Report. Uh, but I thank you all for always returning and uh, coming back on in and you know, if you're stopping by in the chat, you know, if you're uh, if you're sending donations uh, to the show, if you are uh, dropping us an email or, you know, made some friends over the uh, past few months, uh, texting and all that stuff. Uh, uh, thank you for being part of my life. Uh, thank you for being here on this journey with me. And uh, thank you so much for loving your country just as much as I do. And I would say anyone who's uh, in that audience probably loves this country just as much as I do. And uh, we all do our part, whether that be big or small, um, uh, to to fortify uh, that will and that movement. And that is the restoration of our republic. You know, now on my end, guys, I'm, I'm just super thankful for all of those who can really get in there and do something more than I can do. I always am the kind of person that feels like I could do a lot more than I'm doing. And you know, on those quiet, dark nights, I just, I know that there's more that I could be doing, uh, even, even as my resources are limited, but, you know, we don't like to play the victim here. That's just not the way that we do it in these parts of town, right? So, uh, we do what we can, you know, and, uh, the point of the matter is that, um, it, I take things on a much uh, deeper level sometimes, uh, the, the knowledge, the psychology, the spirituality, the emotionality of everything that we share and express with each other. Um, and, and then that trip that multiplies, uh, in duplicate, in triplicate, in quadruplicate, in quintuplet, you know, and, and it goes beyond. 
And uh, whether or not, you know, we think that uh, that makes a difference or not, uh, I think it's important to realize that in the grand scheme of things, even though we are but the size of a mustard seed, it makes a difference, ladies and gentlemen. It does make a difference. And for that, I thank you all for uh, towing the line as we all do and for sharing the word and for spreading the news as it needs to be spread because that is how we become the news and we control that news cycle that is by being relentless, never relenting, and that is by being bold, and that is by being courageous. So thank you all again for being here on this journey with me and all of us today. Uh, real quick, before we get into the news, I am going to jump into the chat over at pill.net if you guys are checking that out. Uh, CJM61, good evening and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Dpatriot1776, sweetie, how you doing tonight? Happy Thanksgiving. Mez... Good evening, Pasadena, California. Fear is the justification for coercion and control. I love it. We're already getting some philosoph uh, philosophical um, uh, messages here in the chat room today, and uh, that is some good philosophy there. Fear is the justification for coercion and control. Any of those who are afraid, uh, they can be coerced, they can be controlled, they can be manhandled, and uh, we've seen that in part, uh, you know, if not in whole, with uh, the way those in our world and in our country take and handle all of the uh, propaganda and or what news that uh, they supposedly give to us uh, out there in the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media, you know they're coerced and controlled, if not just propagandized. And, uh, you know, it takes something for us to not fall into that. I was uh, looking over at some socials earlier uh, and, you know, they, they have uh, there was a meme, I think, that was out there saying something like uh, 78 to 79 percent. Oh, well, this was for conservatives. So let me let me go ahead and state that real quick for conservatives, about 78 to 79 percent this Thanksgiving holiday would not require vaccines or masks in order to attend their little holiday shindig. Yeah, that's the kind of number that you would expect uh, amongst people who are conservatives. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, conservatives are cut above the rest, but uh, they seem to have kept their mind and also their faculties, mentally speaking, throughout all of this mess uh, whereas you have, uh, you know, like uh, people who are more uh, left-leaning or Democrat are requiring vaccination in order to spend the holidays with them or requiring that their guests wear masks, which is ridiculous. It's just ultimately ridiculous. And um, let's see here. Another thing, that, another, uh, another message or a meme that I think I'd seen that I think is worth sharing was that if uh, through all of this, ladies and gentlemen, through all the lying, through all the fear-mongering, through uh, all of the uh, propaganda, all of the uh, coercion, right? All of the influence that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news legacy media has tried to push on us. If we stand pure-blooded, and you know what I mean by pure-blooded, well, congratulations, you know, uh, because you have proven yourself to be far stronger than most of the dull-minded individuals out there. You have held on to your own sense of reason. You have, uh, you have, you have defeated all of, that, uh, all of that, um, that mental attack, all of that psychological attack 
that they have put upon us uh, from simply lying and propagandizing to bullying to other forms of coercion. I like that. I like that you put that in there. <laughs> I'm to be playing with that mess. Uh, but indeed, ladies and gentlemen, you are a cut above the rest, guys, because yeah, we're able to uh, to withstand to withstand, I apologize, to withstand all of that attack, an onslaught of attack from all of these people. And uh, it actually does my heart good to note that there are a lot of us out there, guys. There are a lot of us out there that have been able to withstand all of those mental, psychological, emotional attacks that have come at us. Some of us even facing physical attacks. We are definitely a cut above the rest. So thank you again for that, guys. That takes a lot of courage. Mikey Bad 13, happy Thanksgiving. Anka Vanka, happy Thanksgiving, sweetie. And good to see you over at the chat rooms. Curious Cat, happy anniversary. Oh, he put happy anniversary. Happy Thanksgiving and happy anniversary as well. Yep, we are at uh, episode 200 today. So thank you for that. It's, it is but a stepping stone on the way to our milestone of one year. And uh, thank you. I like anniversary. <laughs> joy for trump that's good to see a joy for trump i saw you in the chat yesterday i'm sorry i didn't get to acknowledge you it was kind of towards the end but uh happy thanksgiving my friend good to see you is there dpatriot 1776 thank you for gifting the cookie good to see you in there <laughs> and uh let's see don uh, hey don how are you doing today happy turkey day happy gobble gobble happy gobby de goop uh and i hope you're having a good one all of you guys out there uh, today on this Thanksgiving. I saw someone in here said that they were stuffed. So uh, I'm good for you. Good for you. I'm happy you're having got Deep Patriot stuffed. <laughs> now allow my shrill laugh to uh, lull you to sleep. No, just kidding. <laughs> you're going to get that food coma action going on, Deep Patriot. So uh, that's awesome. Good for you. I'm happy for you. And uh, let's see here. Uh, service appetizers in garage while waiting on rapid COVID. Yeah, isn't that crazy, Depatriot? Depatriot said in the chat, saw an article, service appetizers in the garage while waiting on rapid COVID test results. Did they already got those right? I heard somewhere that they were going to make uh, uh, at-home COVID testing available, right? <laughs> They're crazy, God. Talk about... Talk about propping up a fake uh, industry, right? Pure-blooded forever. That's right, CJM61. We are the pure bloods. And railing on, good to see you lurking there. Mikey Bad 13 thank you for gifting the cookie. You guys are awesome. Appreciate that so much. All right, guys, let's just jump into it. Uh, we got to, like I said, today's going to be, it's pretty much going to be a uh, happy Thanksgiving election fraud episode. Uh, it just seems that no matter how far we move, we're finding more and more election fraud. Uh, you know, it's up to it's up to the independents out there uh, to keep on pushing that, to keep on sharing that information because it's out there and it exists. And, uh, you know, audiences who are in the know know that this stuff is real. OK, and uh, it happened. It occurred. It's in the books. There's documentation for it. We've had audits that have occurred for it. And yet we see that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media continues to want to ignore it or push it aside as if though it were some sort of big lie, as if though uh, we were uh, we were uh, proponents of Nazi Germany and Goebbels and all that stuff. And uh, all those people who just lie, lie, lie and Stalin and all those communists 
who say lie big and lie loud and lie long and Hillary Clinton and all that stuff, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, you can't fight facts. You know, you can't fight facts. And so that's pretty much where we take it from there, guys. And uh, it's just interesting because um, the more and more we move forward into this timeline uh, and the more we see, uh, you know, our, our dear country falling apart, uh, it almost seems like the more that their narrative falls apart. The trick here, though, guys, is that um, we have to continue to keep pushing the truth out, okay? And so that's where, you know, a show like The Sea Report comes in. Like I said, we're not about making news here. We're not about breaking news here, but we are about sharing the news. And that is what I do. That is what we do here. And, uh, you know, so we're going to keep on sharing. So, you know, the topic of election fraud, because it's so apparent, especially to those audiences who are savvy and who know what's going on, it seems belabored. It seems beleaguered. It seems like, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time, but nothing is happening. But ladies and gentlemen, there are always facets of this election fraud that come up that have not been touched before. There are always facets of this election fraud. Uh, there, there's new new, new uh, segments of it, new rivets of it that are being discovered. You know, new methods to their madness are coming into the light. So, you know, for I, for my part, just really want to make sure that uh, these little, these little, uh, these little, um, uh, what would you call them? Sequences or these little, these little um, uh, accents. That's the word I'm looking for. These little accents of um, um, election fraud and manipulation are shared. So this way people have a broader understanding. And, you know, we like to wrap things up in a nice little neat package here at the Sea Report. So absolutely, we're going to talk about election fraud today. We'll be looking at it in several states, not just one. But we have a, a pretty big report to share with you guys out of Pennsylvania today. And then, of course, we're going to look at Georgia, Michigan, and dun, 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 dun. Florida. Oh, did you guys say Florida? Yes, I said Florida. I sure did say Florida. So it's uh, kind of something that we can look up, look forward to today. Um, and let me see here. Uh, before we get started, I forgot to mention yesterday at the head of my episode, I, I really wanted to get into the habit of sharing with the audience uh, the resources of where I get all the information I'm sharing with you guys from, uh, just because, like I say, I don't make this stuff up on my own. Uh, but today's stories for our 200th episode will be coming to you guys from the Tennessee Star, Just the News, the Epoch Times, Fox News, believe it or not the uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation, and also Voter GA or Voter Georgia, which is the organization that is headed up by um, uh, Garland Favorito. Uh, it's a nonpartisan um, a voter election fairness organization. Good stuff that's been coming out of um, Georgia from Voter GA. And we'll also share a news report from you guys from Newsmask. Uh, and that one's going to be interesting. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, first thing that we're going to do, though, is we're going to share some statements from President Trump. We have two statements to share with you guys today. And uh, the first one, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a Thanksgiving message from our president. Let's see what he has to say. 
And uh, this is from today, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving again, everyone and everybody. Uh, this message says, yeah. Did I blow that up too much? For those of you listening on the podcast side, I just blew that message up too much. It says, uh, a very interesting time in our country, but do not worry, we will be great again. And we will all do it together. America will never fail. And we will never allow it to go in the wrong direction. Too many generations of greatness are counting on us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving knowing that a wonderful future lies ahead. Now, there's something about that statement, ladies and gentlemen, that absolutely makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And, you know, uh, a lot can be said and derided from the fact that when we're talking about politicians, when we're talking about presidents, when we're talking about anyone under that umbrella in the past, you know, we always get promises and we always get a lot of the same thing. But I don't know, guys, when it comes from a man um, and it comes from an administration, okay, an administration uh, that actually kept, I mean, I, I couldn't give you a count or a percentage, but if I were to estimate, guesstimate, I would say 90% or higher, that might be being conservative, kept about 90%, 85%, okay, let's be conservative, 80 to 85%, kept 80 to 85% of their promises to the people a track record we've never seen from any politician ever, okay? We've never seen from any administration ever to, to even do more than 50% of their promises, okay? Now, we know if we're jumping back into the past and we're looking at what, 2018, 2019, we had a lot of people promising a, a white Christmas. We had a lot of people saying Christmas is going to be great this year, even 2020, right? 2020. We have the election stolen on November 3rd. We have outright fraud happening in front of our faces and still people saying it's going to be a white Christmas, whatever that means, right? It's going to be a great Christmas. It's going to be a Christmas to end all Christmases. You know, uh, we're all going to get our Christmas wish, so to speak. Okay. Uh, it's easy to understand why here and now, Thanksgiving 2021, some of us might be getting tired. Some of us never stopped the fight. Some of us never gave up. Some of us did, and that's okay. Some of us took a step back, and that's totally fine. Some of us are stepping back into it, and that is great, you know. But uh, I, I believe it, you know. I think uh, faith is a strong component. The will to survive, the belief is a strong component to any type of plan, to any type of function. And that's not to say that just the will of power and belief will help us succeed. But um, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have the will and the power to believe, why are we even here is kind of what my question would be. And that's not putting anyone or anything on the spot. That's not putting any plans on the spot. That's not putting any dates on the line. But um, I think we can take strength knowing that uh, we've won, but uh, the dust has not settled yet. 
And we just have to hang on a little bit longer, guys. A little bit longer. Just keep pushing a little bit harder. And that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Because at the end of the day, it's like I saw another meme today in regards to Thanksgiving. And in regards to those of us who are awake, you know, we America first crowd, you know, we people who are, uh, you know, red-blooded, God-fearing, America-loving people, people who understand what this country is all about, people who understand what our country symbolizes and what our ability to, oh, say, vote symbolizes. Because where the left would have us believe our vote is our voice, well, all they had to do was uh, throw out a fake, uh, you know, pandemic and muzzle everybody, right? And they effectively took away everybody's voice. Our vote is more than our voice, ladies and gentlemen. Our vote is so much more than just our voice. It's, it's so much more than represents just us. It represents the idea and the concept of freedom, ladies and gentlemen. It, it represents the very notion that we as a people can actually self-govern. You know, that is what our vote means. That is what it represents. If we go out and vote, that is us consciously saying, I understand that I am a free moral agent who has the freedom to decide my path and the freedom to decide my choice, my words, my will, that I can live in squalor if I choose, that I can work as hard as I want and climb that ladder of success and, and land to wherever I am happy, land wherever I choose to be. That is what our vote represents, ladies and gentlemen. And so I am thankful that we have that right in America. And it's on paper right now, guys. It's on paper. We have that right on paper. And it is under attack, as I'm sure a lot of my audience out there understands and knows and recognizes. And that's why we cannot give up. Shepherding Shepherd in the a chat room says the voice of the people will be heard where we go one we go all god bless the good children joy for trump says god wins exactly ladies and gentlemen that is what we are talking about and so we cannot relent and we cannot let up we must continue we must move on and by that i mean press forward <laughs> Oh, that probably would have been a little bit more eloquently said than move on sounds like moveon.org. We don't deal with that stuff over here. We don't move on. <laughs> we move forward. We press on. That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. That is what we do here. All right. Awesome. Goodness. Yeah, I'm going to get myself all fired up and we just getting started. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on to our next statement from President Trump. Thank you again if you're joining us live here over at Mr. CTV. I just want to acknowledge a couple more people before we get into the thick of things. Uh, Persnick, welcome into the chat. I agree. It's very uplifting. I miss President Trump so much. Such a strong leader. Yes, a strong leader with a strong administration to back him up. We can't forget he was the mouthpiece. He was the spearhead. He was the voice box. He was the uh, he was the bullhorn. But he had he had many people standing behind him, and we can't forget that too. 
because, uh, you know, we the people who are awake, aware, and conscious, we're definitely standing behind President Trump, but he did have an entire body of people standing behind him to organize a revolutionary movement, okay? And, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they played a massive part in what was going on as well. One, two, three, SKG. Good to see you, sweetie, in the uh, chat room as well. All right, guys, let's go ahead. Hey, Day Tripper, what's up, buddy? Good to see you in the audience as well. All right, let's go on to our second uh, statement from President Trump, because this is going to take us into the thick of things, ladies and gentlemen. All right, what do we got here? Let's expand that on the screen for you guys and expand it one more time. Just like to make things nice and readable for all those out there who are joining us. Now, this comes from yesterday. A statement from President Trump on the 24th. This is in regards to the uh, January 6th false flags. And it says here, the unselect committee issued a subpoena to Bernie Carrick, an American patriot and great former police commissioner of New York City for its January 6th witch hunt, but didn't realize what they were demanding is a massive trove of evidence of voter fraud. According to Bernie's lawyer, these documents show significant indicators of fraud in the 2020 presidential election scam, but have remained hidden from the public. It is exactly what the unselect committee should be interested in if this was a real investigation. Bernie wants to comply with the subpoena with a public hearing and asked me to waive attorney-client privilege so Bernie can testify and provide documents, which I grant him. The unselect committee will not like what they asked for. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, you absolutely believe it. That is going to be our segue uh, into today's episode. And this is very interesting. This is a very interesting statement from President Trump. If you guys have been following what he's talking about in this statement and uh, whom he's talking about, Bernie Carrick, Bernard Carrick, right? Now, Bernard Carrick, he is uh, he was uh, the basically the number one law enforcer, the uh, police officer who was involved way back during the uh, September 11th false flag terrorist attacks, right? Took charge on a lot of that stuff, okay? Uh, he, he's very honored and respected, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. Kind of what I wanted to peer into here is all of this information that President Trump is putting in. So we're going to set the scene here, guys. Of course, we have the uh, unselect committee, for the January 6th false flag riots, you know, we have what all of the uh, all of the Democrats, all of the commies, all of the communists, including Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, right, who are sitting on this committee. And we already know everything that they're doing. We know all the lies that they're, they're, they're telling. We know all of the evidence that they are withholding. Right. Uh, we know how they are torturing. Basically, I would say it's torture the way that they are treating the people who uh, were allowed into the Capitol by uh, Capitol police officers and other guards uh, to enter into the Capitol building. You know, they're torturing them. They're holding them. Uh, you know, they, they are endangering their lives in some instances. 
know, we know we know about everything that's going on there, right? Kangaroo court style, everything that's happening with those uh, political uh, captives, political victims of the January 6th Unselect Committee. And now we know that also they've been issuing all these subpoenas, right? Uh, we know Steve Bannon was caught up in some of these sub sub subpoenas. We know he resisted the subpoena. We know that they uh, they they went after him even further because he decided not to participate. But now they have this guy Bernard Carrick, Bernie Carrick, as President Trump calls him, and uh, it seems like in this instance, the January sixth unselect committee might be biting off more than they can chew. So let's talk a little bit, a bit about Bernard Carrick, because President Trump here is saying that he's going to bring forth evidence. The question here becomes, at least in my mind, and uh, maybe some of you all will uh, remember where this comes from. How does one submit evidence of election fraud legally? I know I totally just like, you know, bastardized that entire phrase, but how does one submit evidence legally of election fraud, you know? So could this be where this is going when we're talking about the unselect committee bringing in one Bernard Carrick for questioning under subpoena? And and President Trump is like, is, is he calling his bluff? Is he calling their bluff? Is what is what is he trying to do here by sharing this information? Because he's saying, "Hey, look, Liz Cheney, you're going to subpoena this man here. Well, he's going to bring you all of this election fraud information." So, who is Bernard Carrick? Well, let's take a look at Bernard Carrick. Now, the last time that we saw Bernard Carrick here at the Sea Report was actually back in June of this year. Now, Bernard Carrick, as we reported at the Sea Report, and uh, this was actually an episode that took place at the, uh, the, the heat of the Arizona forensic audit. We had Bernard Carrick uh, um, um, uh, surveying uh, Arizona with one Vernon Jones. Now, if you'll see here in this photo that I have presented for you guys, we have uh, Bernard Carrick, uh, the uh, marble crown, I say euphemistically, so to speak. Hey, I, I, I got a caramel crown. It's okay. I can say these things. And uh, he's center, actually. And then we have Vernon Jones, and we have the back of Sonny Borelli, Senator Borelli's head here in this photo. So Bernard Carrick, the last time we talked about him here at the Sea Report, he was actually uh, he was actually having a um, he was actually uh, he was actually doing a a uh, a tour of both the Arizona border as well as the forensic audit that was happening at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, so here we have this photo here, uh, Bernard Carrick Center with Vernon Jones and Sonny Borelli over in Phoenix. And then the next photo that we have here is actually Bernard Carrick, Bernie Carrick uh, with Vernon Jones down at the border in Arizona. Now, like I said, he and Vernon Jones were doing a tour. You guys might remember this incident that happened during the forensic audit where they were hosting delegations and uh, Bernie Carrick was with Vernon Jones. Okay. And that, that was the Georgia delegation, even though Bernie Carrick is from New York. Okay. He's a New York guy, but he was with Vernon Jones. Okay. And uh, that was a time that Vernon Jones went nuclear on one of the Arizona leftist uh, commie little reporters, right? And he was like kind of put in her in her spot. 
just so you guys have some idea of the last time we talked about Bernard Jones, that was then. That was back in June. It was the last time we had him on our screen. Uh, but since then, um, a lot of other things about Bernard Carrick, Bernie Carrick that you guys might know and or remember. For example, um, we had an article from uh, Fox News uh, that talked about that Bernard Bernie Carrick was actually one of the individuals that President Trump pardoned before he left office uh, back in 2020. Um, and uh, the article from that said that uh, prosecutors said that between 1999 and 2000, when Carrick was commissioner of the corrections department, he accepted more than $255,000 in renovations to his Bronx apartment from city contractors in exchange for speaking to city officials on their behalf. He was also charged for providing false and misleading answers related to this question by the White House officials after President George W. Bush nominated him for a homeland security job. So President Trump pardoned Bernie Carrick, and those are the reasons why he was actually indicted and charged. Now, he actually served three years of a four-year sentence uh, before President Trump pardoned him. So this man has been caught up in uh, some issues. Now, you know, I found it kind of interesting. There was another article I had read about this whole debacle that uh, Bernie Carrick had gone through. Uh, it spells it out pretty clearly here why they were slamming the book down on him from this Fox News article that I just shared. But um, in, in regards to... Uh, Everything that they were really laying out, uh, what was it? He lied. He lied about income. They said uh, he lied about taxes, of course, because of owed taxes, because of the income that he lied about. And all of that was tied to the uh, dollar amount of the renovations that he received in his Bronx hotel. And then, of course, the judge in his case had actually also said that uh, he used 9-11 and his role as the commissioner during that time to his advantage and that he had a dark spot in his soul. And, you know, I mean, even though the, it is it is dishonest, right? He didn't report, you know, the money and, and the, uh, I guess, the gifts, right? That's what they do. They're like, they're going after President Trump and the CFOs and the COOs of his company for not reporting gifts and stuff like that. This is all that they got, okay? This is all that they got, okay? We have people who are committing far more heinous crimes, white collar or not, you know, and they'll go after people that they don't like. They'll go after people that they know are fighting against them for things as small as gifts. Now, I'm not condoning what Bernie Carrick did, but he was pardoned by President Trump. OK, uh, and uh, and that was just so you guys can get a kind of um, you guys can get a kind of an idea of what it was that why the media is going to put spotlight on him. OK, they're going to try and call out his past sins. They're going to try and say the things that he did were far more heinous of a crime and so dishonest that he absolutely deserves to rot in a jail. You know, and, and yet we have people who will run over four grannies and a child and kill them. OK, and yet they can skip out on like a thousand dollar bail until someone realizes, oh, this might look like it's a little bit too light of a bail. Let's go ahead and increase that just a little bit more. OK, right. You see what I'm saying here, right? I mean, you guys understand uh, to my audience who knows what's up. You know, you get that uh, the uh, the scales of justice here are definitely tipped 
on one side compared to the other. But in regards to uh, President Trump and the January 6th Unselect Committee, uh, we see that there is another bigger problem here. Okay. <laughs> And it's not just the fact that this guy might actually be bringing some heat and truth to the justice system where they cannot ignore it, correct? Right? They can't ignore the facts. They have to take any evidence, any depositions. It, once it's in the law system, it's on paper, okay? Another thing that we're seeing here in regards to Bernie Carrick and the unselect committee for the January 6th false flag riots is that uh, they've subpoenaed him for being present and meeting with President Trump on those days, okay? He's been subpoenaed for this, but the man was not even there, okay? And there are receipts to prove it, ladies and gentlemen. So I got this article here from Just the News. Let me go ahead and bring that up on the screen and we'll take a gander. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Bob Woodward. Okay. Oh, let me preface this by saying, ladies and gentlemen, the January 6th Unselect Committee has subpoenaed Bernie Carrick for being present and talking with President Trump on January 6th based on the book that this Bob Woodward fellow put out. Okay. They didn't look at any other evidence, no camera footage, no nothing, no receipts. That All they have is a book by Bob Woodward that says, at least as far as they understand, that Bernie Carrick was there and was addressing President Trump. There's a lot of issues with this. Let's look at the article. You'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, so here's our article here. Bob Woodward. Toll booth records undercut January 6th panel that claim Carrick attended secret Washington, D.C. meeting. Okay, and I will expand this for you guys so you can see it better. Okay, so uh, from just the news, it says, we don't want to look at Biden. Okay, earlier this month, I have to squeeze it in just a little bit. Oh, there we go. Earlier this month, the January 6th Commission in Congress made headlines when it issued a subpoena alleging lawmakers had credible evidence that on the day before the Capitol riot, former New York Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick attended a meeting at the Posh Willard Hotel in Washington where Trump advisors discussed how to overturn the November 2020 election. The subpoena even cited an impressive source a book by famed investigative journalist Bob Woodward. You can read the subpoena here. We're going to skip the subpoena. It says, there's just one problem for Chairman Benny Thompson. Uh, let's not forget, guys, as we discussed about uh, three weeks ago, Benny Thompson, this guy belonged to a member of a radical organization that was seeking to uh, divide these United States of America and create a new country called New Republic of Africa. And that would have consisted of Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. And uh, they would have seceded from the country. Benny Thompson, the guy who's overseeing this very January 6th unselect committee of false flag riots. Yeah, that's the guy. 
Okay, so as we were saying, uh, it says here, as the article continues, <laughs> Carrick was 300 miles away in the New York City area on January 5th, according to his own car's toll booth records reviewed by Just the News. He left Washington the night of January 4th and did not return until the morning. Sorry, the uh, I'm getting ads here that are pushing it around. For those of you on the podcast, I'm getting ads that are pushing my article around. Okay, so it says uh, he left Washington the night of January 4th and did not return until the morning of the riots. According to Carrot's own account at a speech this weekend in Chicago, and that book by Woodward, it makes no claim about Carrick attending a meeting at the Willard on January 5th. In fact, the book doesn't even mention the former NYPD commission once in its 482 pages. Woodward and his co-author, fellow Washington Compost journalist Robert Costa, confirmed to Just the News in a statement Monday night that they did not allege Carrick attended a January 5th meeting at the Willard. The subpoena for Mr. Carrick references page 234 of our book, Peril, the Washington Compost journalist said. That page, however, does not mention Mr. Carrick in any way. In fact, he is not mentioned anywhere in our book. Their book does recount such a meeting with other Trump figures, including lawyers Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman and former White House advisor Steve Bannon, but Carrick is never mentioned as an attendee. Spokesperson for Thompson and House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Shifty Shift, who is playing an outside role in the January 6th probe, did not return phone or email messages seeking comment. The January 5th allegation against Carrick is in the subpoena is just the latest in a long line of examples dating to the now debunked Russia collusion probe of how fiction or uncorroborated allegations can become fact in a hyper-partisan Washington where Democrat investigators and news medias keep close ties. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen, would you say? So now, you know, that's why I said early on, it seems quite clear here that uh, the January 6th Unselect Committee, uh, fronted by a communist uh, radical, okay, clearly have bitten off more than they can chew, okay, because they're basing their fight on a book, Okay, do you see how, okay, well, no, 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 not, not do you see how, okay, now we can see how, uh, let us be thankful, okay, <laughs> let us be thankful that these people, they smoke their own dope, they drink their own Kool-Aid, okay, to the point that they believe their own lies, even when it's rolling them down a 50-foot hill. Okay, because they're like, well, Bob Woodward put it in a book. We'll just say we got it from the book. Oh, but we didn't read the book. D did nobody in the January 6th committee read the book? <laughs> just read the book. Okay, <laughs> if you read the book, you might see that uh, Bernie Carrick's name never appeared once. But I guess just like the bills that they sign, they don't have time to read a book. Okay, <laughs> so, you know. 
Uh, well, we'll take that as a win for their stupidity. And that's basically all I got to say about that. So, yeah, they've uh, put the proverbial shoe in their mouth. Okay. They have, uh, they have bitten off more they can chew. They're uh, subpoenaing this one, uh, this one man, Bernard Carrick, a hero from uh, the 9-11 terrorist false flag attacks. Okay. A hero from the 9-11 false flag attacks. Is that that why they're going after this guy? Why are they going after this guy? What's the deal? Well, you know, in regards to that uh, factoid of interest where we have Bernard Carrick, who has receipts that show he was not even there, okay? Uh, there's a little bit more, okay? There's a little bit more when we're talking about him not being there because the unselect committee has actually admitted that they were wrong. The only problem here is that they have yet to correct the public record. I present to you now an article from the Epoch Times that mentions something to this effect. There we go. There you see the communist radical in the flesh. There's Benny Thompson, right? And then there's, of course, the communist Democrat, Liz Cheney herself. As a January 6th panel admits subpoena contained misinformation, but has not updated the public. Okay, so we'll skip down here to the vital info. Okay, here we go. Right, her. Let's take a look at that. Let's see what that has to say. It says, um, an investigator uh, with the panel on November 23rd responded, acknowledging the apparent falsehood. It says, in advance of our deposition of Mr. Carrick, we wanted to correct an error in the letter accompanying the subpoena that you accepted on his behalf. The investigator wrote in an email viewed by the Epoch Times, the staffer acknowledged that one of the articles does not say that he was at the Willard Hotel on January 5th specifically, as the select committee letter indicates. He did not address the book or the other article also not backing the claim. Nonetheless, the select committee still believes that Mr. Carrick has information about efforts to evaluate claims of election fraud and other matters relevant to its inquiry, the staffer wrote. The staffer, a spokesman for the committee and a spokesman for Thompson, did not respond to requests for comment on the letter. The panel spokesman declined comment earlier when questioned on the claim. The erroneous information is still on the panel's website. Carrick plans to present the panel with the information he gathered while researching possible fraud in the 2020 election. Former President Donald Trump announced on Wednesday that he would waive privilege claims for Carrick. So now, ladies and gentlemen, you have to believe that uh, maybe Benny Thompson here, good old communist radical himself, right? Good old secessionist Benny Thompson, right? Good old member of, well, he wasn't a member of, but he definitely supported the Black Panthers and stuff like that back in the 60s and 70s. He, he wanted the New Republic of Africa on the shores of the southeastern banks of these United States of America. It's got to be saying, gosh, darn it, why did I not read the book? And now we have subpoenaed Bernie Carrick. Could this possibly just be political tribulation? Could they possibly just be trying to lawfare Bernie Carrick to death? 
Is there something that Bernie Carrick knows? Is there some modicum of evidence that Bernie Carrick can present that they are trying to lawfare him to death? We've seen the way that they do lawfare. We saw what they did to General Michael Flynn. We saw the way that they've handled situations like this where all that they do is just shoot lawsuit after lawsuit, make them go through the entire jury process, make them pay out of their butts, make them them like basically go bankrupt, just trying to defend their name. Okay, is that what they're doing to Bernie Carrick? Is that what's going on here? Is that why they've subpoenaed him? Because clearly this man was nowhere present during the January 6th false flag riots. And clearly this man had nothing to do with any of that. So why are they bringing him into it? The question that I'm enjoying more out of this, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, what evidence does uh, one Bernard Carrick have that he's going to bring to the table? And why is President Trump, he's wagging his tongue at them. He's like, are you going to subpoena them? He's going to bring some evidence. How does one bring evidence of election fraud into the legal system? Okay, is this a way? Do you guys get what I'm referencing here, right? You guys know what I'm referencing. Of course you guys do. Okay, well, let's uh, let's take a quick look about this election fraud information, what Bernie Car- Bernard- Bernie Carrick could be introducing. And, you know, it kind of makes me, I had, I had two, I had two videos. I'm going to share one with them, you guys, but maybe I should share the other one with you guys just to kind of, you know, put some oomph behind it. But let's play this one first. Let's play this one. Okay. This is the one I saved for you guys. Um, okay. So we have Bernard Carrick here on Newsmask. Okay. I call them Newsmask because I do not believe that this is a legitimate news organization. I believe that this is another front. Okay. Newsmask is another front. Don't take them. I don't take them at their word, but we are going to share this interview that these guys have with Bernard Carrick. Now, here's some things that I want you guys to pay attention to as I prepare ultimate good sound for you guys with this interview. And that is that uh, while Newsmask is interviewing Bernard Carrick, keep this in mind, pay attention to the anchor, okay? The anchor for Newsmask preemptively shuts down any ideas of election fraud. Just listen to what he says. You'll, You'll hear it when I play this interview. The anchor shuts down any ideas of election fraud, okay? And then when Bernard Carrick tells the anchor that the January 6th uh, unselect committee lies, that anchor looks so fake. He's like, really? Okay, you'll see. Okay, (laughs) so let's get this rolling because this is just too good for too good for prime. Now, Commissioner, welcome to the program. Thanks, Carl. So, I, you know, I want to be very careful. I realize that there's some legal things, so, you know, I'm not going to ask you anything that's going to put you in any type of jeopardy. But let's first start by saying that, you know, like, look, 2020 has been litigated. President Biden's been inaugurated. Okay, move on from there. There have been a number of legal challenges. They haven't held up on the on the merits of the issues in court to date. So that said, President Trump alleges in his statement that there may be some stuff and I don't want to get into the specifics, are they going to get more than they bargained for with these subpoenas from you? 
Well, I, th <clears throat> I think there's a, a couple things that I'd like to get out uh, that the American people don't understand. One, I was subpoenaed um, by the committee based on a meeting that I was allegedly at on January 5th of last year. They said I was at that meeting with Steve Bannon, Mayor Giuliani, Dr. Reisman, and others, and that was a lie. I was never at that Whoa. meeting. In fact, I was in New York City, but they said I was at the meeting, and they even quoted sources. Bob Woodward's book, Peril, they said on page 234, Bob Woodward said I was at that meeting. They lied about me being at the meeting, and they lied about the sources for that information. If I went into a congressional hearing or I was under oath in a congressional hearing and made a false statement, they would recommend to the Department of Justice that I be charged criminally. Oh, yeah. I want to know who's going to be held accountable for lying in that subpoena. They lied about where I was and they lied about who told them that I was there. So, so that's number one. Number two, look, people could say all day long that uh, there was no fraud uh, or no voter fraud, election fraud, irregularities in the 2020 election like Liz Cheney. She has said it constantly. I can tell you I am one of a small group of people that was working for the legal team under the supervision of Rudy Giuliani that can positively 1,000% say there was substantial irregularities and there was overwhelm overwhelming fraud, election fraud and voter fraud. So we captured it. We gathered it. We talked to witnesses. We did affidavits. Whether it made it to court or not, whether the lawsuits that were filed at that time worked or not, that's that's beyond this. Right. The bottom line is many of the things we were investigating since since right. over the last 11 months have come to fruition in Georgia, Arizona, today, Wisconsin, Michigan. So those are the things that we were investigating. And uh, I think the American people should get to see that. So I, I want to be very You've careful here because it's a very sensitive subject. Like, look, do I have my concerns about the election? Sure. Trump filled stadiums. Joe Biden couldn't fill a hot tub. You know, however, You've got here we are, President Biden, he is. So you're saying right now that you have things in your possession or that, that they might get or things like that, that that's going to show all the things that wasn't shown in court that, that, that we, we don't have access to right now? That's right. Many of the things that weren't didn't go into court. Look, we only had six to eight weeks to conduct investigations in six different states. It's impossible. It's impossible. There's still things coming out today. And many of those things were things that we were looking at back uh, 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is whether it went into court or not. And, and let me just touch on the court issue for a second. In many of these cases, the court cases were dismissed or thrown out for standing. Right. Mm -hmm. In many of these cases, the judges basically looked at them and said, you know what? Um, this is a state issue. Your state legislators they should have dealt with this. And you know what? They're absolutely right. Here's what I believe. I strongly believe the Democrats stole the election. That's what happened. But that's not why Joe Biden's sitting in the office. Joe Biden is sitting in the office today 
because there are Republican legislators that allowed the certification of votes in their states, knowing, yeah, knowing that there was fraud and they shouldn't have certified those votes. Yeah. And, and I just say just for coverage, you know, I, I haven't seen any evidence. Our network hasn't seen any evidence. You say that the evidence is there. Uh, Mr. Kirk, I, you are an honorable man to me. I, I'm anxious to see this evidence. The big thing, I mean, you you make a valid point. Places like Pennsylvania, where you're spoke. I mean, it's a constitutional, like it's a it's a law, and it's in their constitution how voting is conducted. They changed the the laws with a 51 percent uh, majority. That to me was unconstitutional, and therefore should have its own litigation, which was shot down at the Supreme Court for whatever reason. I have no idea, but I mean, these are some some super heavy allegations in the in the in the essence of all this stuff. I, I got to ask you. It, it, they're sub- subpoenaing you for the January 6th Capitol riot. You weren't even, you know, nothing to do with this. What is their basis other than the stupid meeting that they say you're at that you weren't? Um, don't know. So, and, and here's here's the reality. They know, and ever, anybody that knows me knows, I wasn't at the Capitol riot. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with the Capitol riot. I didn't know what was going on at the Capitol because I was actually at the rally with Giuliani when he spoke, which was a mile away. And I was there when the president started speaking. I left before the president even finished and I was back in my hotel. So at the end of the day, I had nothing to do with the Capitol riot. And if that's what they're really investigating, why they were supporting me in the first place, I don't know. On On the basis of a lie too. Bernie Carrick, former NYPD commissioner, we appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, guys. So, man, was that not weak sauce from that anchor on News Mask? News Mask. Okay. I'm not Axe. I'm not Ask. I'm Mask. News Mask. We ha- I've seen no evidence of election fraud. Our network's seen no evidence of election fraud. But if you say there's election fraud, Bernie Carrick, you're an honorable man. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, News Mask. Get go, go. over yourself. Uh, you guys need to go, okay? <laughs> like, we're not going to be beholden to you jerk-offs anymore. Like, this is ridiculous, okay? Uh, so there you have it. Uh, they're they're pretty much bringing that out into the light, uh, into the public eye, 100%. Uh, I got this other clip I said I had a scene before. We're going to go ahead and play it. Uh, because, again, the question is here, as we segue into the rest of today's election fraud episode, what is he talking about? Okay, you know, what election fraud could he be possibly bring be bringing? Now, for any of you, of you guys who've been following the election fraud out there, who you've been taking your notes, you've been putting it in your notebooks just in case we have a Mandela effect on election fraud, right? Okay, you know what's what, all right? You know what's been going on, you know the score, you've been keeping count, you know, you got all the stats, right? Okay, so why was Bernie Carrick with Vernon Jones? Why was a man from New York who served as the commissioner of the department with Vernon Jones in Georgia. Okay, so this is from back in about June or July, all right, where uh, we got Bernie Carrick appearing with Steve Bannon, and they're talking a little bit about election fraud in the state of Georgia. Go figure. Let's go ahead and play it. You've got a number of investigations in Georgia, uh, and one uh, a primary in uh, Fulton County, Steve, that I I predict over the next three or four weeks is going to be explosive. 
And I think it's going to basically come back and vindicate everything that the president and Rudy Giuliani and I have been saying for the last six months. The election was stolen. Um, basically, the Republican legislators didn't do their job. They allowed the certification of, uh, of the votes. And, and as I was saying earlier, um, the Secretary of State for Georgia, he allowed that certification. He had 174 missing batches in the Fulton County count, 174. That's 17,400 ballots that were missing, and they knew about it. They, there's no way they didn't know. They had to know. That would have put Donald Trump over the edge to win Georgia. Just that alone. But there's a lot more coming, um, and it's going to come out through these investigations. There's subpoenas being issued. There's depositions being taken. Um, I think you're going to see some explosive material in the next two or three weeks. Um, and then you're going to see Vernon Jones go down to Arizona. Uh, he should be leaving. I think he's going to go down on Wednesday. Um, he's going to visit with the people in Arizona, you know, Mark Fincham and Sonny Borelli and, and the people from the Senate there, find out what they're doing. Um, and he's pushing for every county in the state of Georgia to have a forensic audit. He's also going to be going down to the border, uh, Steve, um, which I don't think anybody knows yet, uh, but we're pushing him to get down to the border uh, to look at what's going on there. As you know, Atlanta and Georgia is having a major, major crime surge. A lot of that is coming from illegals. People on the border, they're telling uh, Vernon Jones that they're busing these people into Georgia. Uh, this is bad for Georgia. It's bad for Atlanta. You have Buckhead. One of the principal cities, uh, the principal communities in all of Georgia trying to sever itself away from Atlanta. Uh, a lot going on and Vernon Jones is going to get to the bottom of it. And I think the people of Georgia know it's time for change. And I think Vernon Jones is the guy that's going to do that. All right, guys, what do you think about that? Isn't that great for timelines right there? So clearly this was filmed early June. Okay, 2020, uh, because Bernie Carrick was with Vernon Jones in uh, Arizona during the uh, border, as I showed you guys the pictures a few minutes ago, where they were touring the border of Arizona, as well as the forensic audit happening at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So that might give you guys a little bit more of a uh, broader perspective on why this January 6th unselect committee has targeted Bernie jo Bernie Jones, has targeted Bernie Carrick, even though this man was not mentioned in Bob Woodward's book, and they have no evidence that he was even involved with anything to do with the January 6th false flag riots. They're clearly targeting this man because he's working on the inside, at least in my opinion, based on what I've seen and through some speculation. Take it with a grain of salt, okay? Take it with a grain of salt that uh, Bernie Carrick might actually really be in the really be in the works with what's going on behind the scenes. You heard him say, we're pushing Vernon Jones to go to the border. We're pushing Vernon Jones to do this. So this guy might have a lot more to do with some of the uh, inside workings of what we're seeing happening again in this administration, in this uh, this this the, the mechanics behind, those who are trying to save our country, but are on the front lines of it. You know, people like Bernie Carrick are on the front lines. Me, I'm just the support in the back. 
I'm like, if you fall down, I got a cushion. I'll bring you some water, you know. <laughs> That's my role here. I'm, a, I'm but a mere water boy in all of this, you know what I mean? But people like Bernie Carrick, clearly on the front lines, they're getting attacked. They're being politically persecuted. They're being subjected to lawfare, okay? And perhaps that is why they are after one Bernie Jones. Okay, Ber I keep saying Bernie Jones. I'm like making them one of those, like, what is it? Uh, he's going to be like a, a, a Bernard Vernon. What would you get? Bernarnon? A Bernard? <laughs> Anyways, okay. Let me get this guy off the screen real quick. We're going to go to, okay, you know, because he's talking about Georgia. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, that was a perfect segue into election fraud. Okay. Uh, and that's where we're going here. Since he was talking about Georgia, and I'm sorry I didn't plan this out better before I started today's episode. Let's talk about Georgia before we get into where we were going to talk about Pennsylvania first. But since, uh, since he's talking Georgia, Let's get Georgia on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, we're going to talk election fraud now, just like I was saying. We're going to talk election fraud. Okay. You see everything I'm doing here? You see me? I'm doing some on the air editing as we move along. Okay. All right. We're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a smooth segue into election fraud by talking about Georgia first. Okay. Because like I said, at the head of this, guys, uh, you know, the 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 sordid topic of election fraud, okay, is very belabored and very beleaguered to those of us who are in the know, to those of us who are savvy to what is going on, to those of us who have been keeping score, keeping track, keeping record, and have all the stats on election fraud. We get it, okay? We get it. But more and more information keeps coming out and in my opinion, it is very important to keep presenting this information because this cannot go away, ladies and gentlemen. If it goes away, if we stop sharing the news, if we stop sharing the details, if we stop sharing the reports about election fraud and how they done it, no one's going to pay attention. Everyone's going to forget and it's going to get memory hold. And I don't mean that you guys are going to forget. I mean that the rest of them are going to forget and the rest of them will never know and the rest of them will ignore it and we can't let them ignore it so let's talk some election fraud first of all before i move on i want to uh say hello and happy thanksgiving to one carrie lake carrie lake and thank you so much for donating the cookie carrie lake sweetie if you're still in the audience, I don't want to embarrass you, but Carrie Lake, it's been such a long time since I've seen you in our chat room. It's great to see you again. Did you know that you are the entire reason why I even began to support Carrie Lake in Arizona for governor? Because you guys have the same name. Different spelling, same name. Love you, sweetie. It's good to see you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Joey Mormon, happy Thanksgiving. He says, I've been saying they believe their own lies a lot since T took the chair. By T, I'm assuming you mean Trump, right? Okay. <laughs> good to see you. Sol Rico, good to see you back in the audience, my friend. And two in the pink. What's up, sir? Howdy do. And also, thank you for gifting the shades. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, my friend. And also, before I get ahead of myself, U.S. Army Vet 88, thank you for your service, my friend. And thank you for joining us. Good to have you in the audience as well. 
All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into the selection fraud so we can wrap up today's report. I got, uh, we're going to talk Georgia. We're going to talk Pennsylvania. We're going to talk Michigan and we're going to talk Florida. And then I will bid you adieu for the rest of this Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, but like I said, Georgia, let's get into it because we just heard about it. Bernie Carrick, very involved with Vernon Jones and the fraud that's going on in Georgia. We all know about Georgia. Okay. We all know what happened at the State Farm Arena. We all know that the uh, toilet pipe bust was a joke. Okay. We all know that uh, uh, Brian Kemp, the governor, and also little Bradford Raffensperger, the secretary of snakes over there, who, in my opinion, is a Democrat in rhino clothing. Okay. Uh, they, they both had up to the minute details on all of the happenings between election day plus seven. They all knew what was going on. Okay. They had their men on the ground, giving them up to the minute reports about a broken chain of custody, about quadruple stuffing voter machines, okay, election machines, okay? They knew all this stuff was going on. And that's not to mention all of the broken chain of custody that has such since came out in Fulton County alone. This report from Georgia is as recent as late October, early November, where is this coming from? This is coming from Voter GA. Now, in addition to the little modicums of information that I just gave you right now about election fraud in Georgia, what has Voter GA done? Voter GA is, of course, an election integrity organization based in Georgia. Okay. It is headed by a man of the name of Garland Favorito. Now, Garland Favorito did not vote for President Trump. Okay. So keep that in mind. They are nonpartisan. All that Voter GA cares about is that our in elections are held to the utmost, um, utmost uh, um, uh, common decency. There's no fraud. Okay. They're all about making sure that the elections go as smoothly and accurately as they're supposed to do. They're about election integrity, guys, for all of us, for every political party, for every American, no matter where you stand. If you believe that your vote is your freedom and you participate, that vote is sacred. That is what voter GA is about. If I'm not mistaken, Garland Favorito is actually a registered Democrat, okay? But he has taken it to the state of Georgia. He has taken it to the election commission in Georgia. He has taken it to the legislators in Georgia about the election fraud. Now, in addition to what I mentioned about the broken chain of custody and what I mentioned about, uh, you know, State Farm Arena and all of the severely mismanagement that happened on uh, election day plus 20, in Georgia, okay, I'm being facetious, but you know, whatever. Um, Voter GA was successful at actually getting the ballot images at a very low resolution from a judge to inspect and audit. And while they were not granted access to the actual physical ballots, through the very low resolution, we're talking like 300 DPI or less for any of you guys out there that know about graphics and stuff like that, knows that that resolution and lower is really bad. You're looking at like uh, what pixelation and squigglies and blurness. You don't get a clear picture of what you're looking at. 
they were still able to find voter and election fraud with low resolution ballot images that showed beyond the shadow of a doubt that if it wasn't mismanagement, it was outright fraud because the um, the ballots that were given did not match the handwritten receipt paperwork that showed what the count should be. And that alone was a huge discrepancy. Of course, we had the judge over there. It was a Judge Amaro, if I'm not mistaken. You can, you can check that for me if you want, or you can take my word for it with a grain of salt. Judge Amaro, and he delayed it, okay? We were like, oh, yay, Judge Amaro. He's, 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 he's moving forward with this voter election fraud stuff, but then he delays it and delays it and delays it. A lot of uh, a lot of lawfare going on here, but Voter GA was able to find that out. So now we have some new information coming out of Voter GA because what we see coming out of Georgia is it was not just Fulton County, which houses Atlanta, Georgia, that was in question. We have DeKalb County. We have what uh, I can't remember. Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's some more counties in there. DeKalb County, and there was another county. Gwinnett, I think, was also involved. There's a county that starts with the C. I can't remember what. It it's called Cobb County is the name of it, where we're finding a lot of stuff was going untoward. There's a lot of broken chain of custody. Okay, well, we had a press release coming from Voter GA and some new findings. So we're going to share with that with you guys right now. Let me go ahead and enlarge that on the screen for you. This is a press release from Voter GA about new findings of election fraud. It says 74 counties cannot produce original 2020 election ballot images. 56 of those counties admit images are not available despite federal state retention laws. Atlanta, November 9th, 2021. This is as early as late, as early as late as November 9th. Voter GA today announced that their ballot image analysis team determined 74 Georgia counties have been unable to produce all the original ballot images from the November 2020 election. The team obtained admissions from 56 counties that most or all of the images created automatically by the Dominion voting system for results tabulation have been destroyed. Voter GA volunteers made the determinations by submitting open records requests for the images to each county. <clears throat> Ballot images are critical, are a critical aspect of election records that have long been required to be retained by federal and state law. Federal law requires a 22-month retention period for election records, while state law requires a 24-month retention period for election documents, which are generally considered to include those that are electronic. U.S. Code 52-20701, OCCGA 21-2-73, the Dominion Voting Systems automatically creates images for in-person voted ballots on compact flash memory cards. It automatically creates images for mail-in ballots on memory flash drives. The cards or drives are then manually uploaded to the county's election management server. Some densely populated counties also use high-speed scanners that automatically transfer images directly to the electronic election management server. 
Counties admit non-conformance or evade ORRs. Again, ORRs mean open records request. And it says at least 28 counties admitted having no original images at all. And 22 of those counties only had recount images that some claimed are the same as originals. Recount images don't have original timestamps that can be used for audit purposes, nor do they have original metadata that shows how votes were initially interpreted. The images can also be changed by tampering between scans and are therefore invalid to audit an election. Voter GA received emails from another 28 counties admitting that they do not have a complete set of original images. Various counties were missing all in-person voting images, all absentee images, all election day images, or a substantial portion of one or more of those groups. Another 18 counties did not comply with repeated open request orders over a period of two months. Most simply did not respond, but some frustrated the requesters by requiring exorbitant fees for images that most counties provided for around $25 to $50. Fees requested by counties ranged from $0 to $1,700 which is too unnecessarily expensive to comply with ORR law, open records request law. Six of those counties claim to have mailed images that voter GA team members have not yet received. These images may also be incomplete or recount images only. Voter GA showed written confirmation from former state election director Chris Harvey granting permission to erase in-person ballot images from the memory cards. I repeat, let me highlight it. Voter GA showed confirmation from former state election director Chris Harvey granting permission to erase in-person ballot images from the memory cards. These violations are yet another glaring reason why Georgians cannot trust the Secretary of Snakes, the Secretary of State's office, that is one Brad Raffensperger, said Garland Favorito, co-founder of Voter GA. We desperately need a multi-county audit of the 2020 election to resolve these serious problems before 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, we can decertify Georgia today. We should have decertified Georgia yesterday. All of this fraud, guys, I'm telling you, these, these rivets, these facets, these diamonds in the rough keep coming up. How much more is Voter GA going to uncover? They have done a far better job than the Secretary of State's office, Brad Raffensperger, who has handed over election 
uh, investigations to the federal government. Little Bradley Raffensperger, the Democrat in rhino clothing, Republican clothing, Brad Raffensperger, Bradford Raffensperger, Bradford Raffensperger. I'm telling you guys, it just keeps coming out and coming out and coming out and coming out. And so, you know, you know, yesterday when we did our show, I was kind of talking about, you know, one A.G. Bernovich, right? For all I know, A.G. Bernovich is like, he's like under a thumb, right? A.G. Bernovich is under a thumb and they're saying, all right, Mark, we know you want to prosecute. We know you want to send them on perp walks, Mark. Play with your nunchucks because we need Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan to come out. And then it's going to be like, I don't know. It's going to be like a barrage, right? An onslaught of like election integrity. It's going to be like, bram, 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 bram. Like, it's going to be like, we got Georgia. We got Pennsylvania. We got Arizona. Bam, bam, bam. Like they, they're like, they're like, they're like this. They're like, they're like, all right, Mr. A.G. Bronovich. Like, uh, we can't let you do the perp walk yet until we know Georgia and Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania are going to decertify. Okay, fingers crossed. I am thankful. I am grateful for all of this information coming out. You, the people of America, have done this. People like Voter GA, people like all of the independent media out there, all of the independent journalists, all of the independent media organizations, the America Firsts, the Breitbarts, the Gateway Pundits, you know, the Just the Newses, all of you guys, you guys did this. Okay, you did this. OAN, One America News, you did this. And all of the smaller independents, you guys did this. Y'all keep bringing it up and bringing it up. And bringing it up to the front. You keep making the cream rise to the top. Keep on doing it, guys. Don't let up. Don't stop. Don't quit for any reason. Show your strength of power. Show your belief. Show your will to believe. We're going to win. You better believe it. Like, this is what I'm talking about. He is not, the voter she is not stopped. They've been doing this since 2020. They've been doing this since November 3rd. They've not given up. Why should I give up if these guys haven't given up? Okay, if they've not given up, I'm not going to give up. Okay, because they are still going. November 9th, 2021 is the date of this press release. And we got more. Okay, we're not done yet. Okay, we are not done by a long shot. Okay, the only thing that's going to stop us right now is a hypersonic missile with a uh, EMP delivery over the United States of America. That's the only thing that's going to stop us at this point. Okay, a hypersonic missile that delivers an electromagnetic pulse over these United States of America. And if that doesn't happen, then we're good as gold, guys. We're good as gold, okay? And and I am just submitting that to the collective consciousness so that we can start to figure our way out around it. And that's the only reason why I said that, not because I'm creating reality with my thoughts, but because we need to be aware of ways to get around that kind of crap if it happens. All right? Okay. 
CJM61 says, Stacy is too busy writing her upcoming <laughs> skinny shaming book. I almost misread that and I was like, they ain't nothing skinny about Stacy Abrams. Have you been to Golden Corral? Okay, all right. So, okay, guys, let's move on. We're done with Georgia. That's some new stuff coming out of Georgia. That's just something we wanted to share with you guys tonight. Let's go on to Pennsylvania. Okay, Pennsylvania has been in quite the country, guys. Pennsylvania has been in quite the quandary, quandary, and we know that this is because we had some steadfast enablers. We had some steadfast protectors, some steadfast guardians. Think about Senator Mastriano and everything that he was doing to ensure that we brought election integrity and we exposed election fraud in Pennsylvania to the forefront. And then he got ran over by Senate, uh, but chairman or whatever he's called, pro tempore, what Corman, right? And he basically evicted him from his seat and he tried to lie about it. And he looked like a weak ass little imp on Steve Bannon, he was like, oh, well, uh, 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 Mastriano didn't want the job anymore. Okay, whatever, Corman, we see right through you, okay? Now this, ladies and gentlemen, in Pennsylvania, where there's this entire mishmash, wish-wash debacle of what's going on there, we have some breaking news that I'm not breaking because it's at least, what, seven days old. <laughs> It's at least a week old. Did you guys hear about this whistleblower fraud that came out in Arizona? This whistleblower fraud, I mean, Arizona, whistleblower fraud that came out in Pennsylvania should beyond a shadow of a doubt be the sinking nail in the coffin of what was happening in Pennsylvania in 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, it is beyond the shadow of a doubt that based on this whistleblower fraud expose, they should just decertify Pennsylvania. Of course, I said this about Georgia. I said this about Wisconsin. We haven't seen them, you know, decertified yet, but this is whistleblower footage, guys. Let's take a look. Okay. What are we talking about here? For those of you who don't know, but those of you who do know, we're going to go to the hallowed pages of the Tennessee Star, okay? Let's see what the Tennessee Star has to say about this whistleblower information coming to us live out of Pennsylvania. Okay, this is some intense and insane stuff, guys. I don't even know how these guys can hope to survive this fraud. It's a felony, says the headline. A new lawsuit with video evidence alleges Delaware County, Pennsylvania election officials destroyed voting records. Okay, so what do they got to say about that? Let's go on. The article says, a lawsuit alleging multiple violations of federal and state election laws as well as Pennsylvania's right to know statute was filed in Delaware County Court, Pennsylvania, Wednesday night, according to sources familiar with the litigation. The suit, case number 18770163723592297, 
was brought by plaintiffs Gregory Strenstrom, Leah Hoops, and Ruth Maureen. Strenstrom, a 2020 Republican poll watcher, has been outspoken in recent months regarding alleged irregularities in ballot canvassing in Delaware County. Defendants include election officials Marilyn Hyder and James Ziegelhofer, as well as Delaware County, the Delaware County Board of Elections, and the Delaware County Bureau of Elections. In early 2021, a whistleblower working for the Delaware County Bureau of Elections began inquiring why it was apparent to her that multiple documents pertaining to the November 3rd, 2020 elections were being destroyed in the southeastern Pennsylvania County, the sources said. The name of the whistleblower has not yet been made public. In May, a third-party attorney filed a request via Pennsylvania's public transparency law asking for election data and records for last November's elections. In particular, the request asked for return sheets, the official documents on which election results are recorded, as well as voting machine tapes showing the in-person vote totals for each precinct. According to the videos and the sources regarding the lawsuit, Many such records were actually destroyed because Delaware County officials violated numerous election laws and needed to hide evidence of their violations. The alleged destruction of records was, the sources say, done to ensure that the records eventually provided actually matched the election results that were reported in 2020 of November. Pennsylvania law requires that voting records be preserved for 11 months after an election, and federal law demands that such records be preserved for 22 months after an election. Pennsylvania law also requires that voting records be preserved for 11 months after an election, and federal law demands that such records be preserved for 22 months after an election. Records in Delaware County were also required to be preserved per a prior lawsuit in which Stenstrom alleged election irregularities. One video provided by the more recent lawsuit's resources shows Tom Gallagher, a lawyer and election official in Delaware County, destroying elongated pieces of paper Allegedly, the voting machine tapes election officials are required to preserve. In that recording, the whistleblower asks Gallagher off camera why he is tearing up the documents. Gallagher replies, at this point, I don't want anybody to pick it up and think we threw stuff away. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to see that tape? I mean, the video, of course, because we're going to watch it. Here it comes. If I can get this to expand. <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, just go ahead and refresh this here. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I think we got it. Here we go. Okay, guys. Enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first of three videos we're going to show you about the whistleblower in Pennsylvania showing them talking about and or destroying election evidence. Let's go. 
Here is Tom Gallagher again, lawyer for Delaware County, destroying voting machine tapes to bypass the right to know request. And then let them try to figure out right. what we did. Mom, why do you have to rip it off? Makes you feel better. Yeah. We are there's just so many I don't want to try to pick it out and take a reach through stuff flesh. Oh. We're gonna have a little campfire going. <laughs> My bad. Okay. There. Now you, uh, my voice is back. Okay. So there you saw it was a short one, but in that clip, you see this lawyer, Tom Gallinger, talking about uh, the whistleblowers asking, why did they rip it up? And you have him saying that they're going to start a little campfire with this. Let's see what the rest of this article says. We'll get to the next video. Pardon me. We'll get to the next video. Okay. Let me read it for you. Okay, it says uh, another election official, James Ziegelhofer, identified in the video as Ziggy, then says we're going to have a little campfire going. Um, what I don't understand, and this honestly, this makes honestly, this makes me nervous, is why tapes are being thrown away. The whistleblower is shown asking Ziegelhofer in a second video. Ziegelhofer began to protest that no tapes were. And the whistleblower interjected that Ziegelhofer and other election officials were throwing away tapes. And she began asked, uh, she again asked why they did so. Ziegelhofer replied, they're all unidentifiable after the whistleblower pointed out that all election records have to be preserved for 22 months. Ziegelhofer said, well, let's put it this way. Yes, there are tapes that are being tossed, but they are of no audit value. And that is the next video that we are going to show. This one is a minute and 16 seconds long. To shrink my screen just to show it to you guys. Not even shrink my screen. I got to do a whole reboot. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's get it on. What we have here is evidence what we have there is evidence right let them figure that out yes but what i don't understand and this makes honestly this makes me nervous is why tapes were being thrown away so what is no tapes work no you guys have been throwing away tapes so what tapes are you throwing away like why because they're unidentifiable there's no way they could like but we've been that way since the November election, so why would you throw anything away? Because you have to save it for 22 months. Well, let's put it this way. Yes, there are tapes that are being tossed, but they are of no audit value. Of no audit value. Thank you.
Yeah, I feel like everyone knows a Jagoff in their life like that guy. <laughs> Quite honestly, they're of no audit value. Like uh, what they say goes, what they say is, go I just, they're like, everyone knows someone like that jerk in their life. Like everyone knows someone like that jerk. Like they, they think that they're above God. Like they, they have this righteousness about them. Like they have the right because they're they're defending the people or they're serving someone's greater power or i don't they're 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 doing a higher cause i just don't understand people like that like they have no morals no scruples it's all selfish uh let's go through the rest of this article uh one source involved in the litigation said that they by no audit value he means the numbers contained on the tapes will not match election results publicized last autumn. So the reason why that guy said they're not of audit value is because the numbers on the tapes that they are destroying will not match the election results. And that's why they have no value to his cause because he's serving the greater good. He's stopping the fascist known as Donald Trump from becoming the president once again. He's doing higher work. Clearly, he's answering to God's calling. But let's not forget most people like that don't believe in God, right? They don't believe in a higher power. So they're totally just self-serving. It's just self-serving all around, all together. Can't stand people like that. Do I uh, tolerate them? I do. Can I stand them? I can't. The article goes on to say, that video goes on to display still shots of voting machine tapes in a garbage bin. A box labeled miscellaneous scanner tapes not attached to return sheets, November 3rd, 2020. A return sheet with a handwritten note regarding 11-14-2020. More than 300 blank ballots received and ballot return envelopes torn up and inside a garbage bin. A final still shot shows a handwritten note stating there is a discrepancy in total ballots received because ballot box and return sheet indicate 300 received, but 330, 30, 330 blank ballots returned. Again, a final still shot shows a handwritten note stating there is a discrepancy in total ballots received because ballot box and return sheets indicate 300 received, but 330 blank ballots returned. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a piece of what I'm talking about uh, what, uh, when I'm speaking about voter GA and the low resolution ballot images that they were able to actually go through. Stuff like that was happening where it was like uh, these ballot batches say there's a hundred votes. Uh, these ballot batches that are written down say there's a hundred votes for Biden, but according to the ballot images, it's like 60 for Trump and 40 for Biden, that kind of thing. <clears throat> uh, the article goes on to say a third recording captures a conversation between County voting machine warehouse supervisor and Jim Savage and Director of Election Operations James Allen about disposing of pads and second scanners. After Allen mentions those materials, Savage replies, we can't talk about it anymore. When Allen asks him why, Savage says it's a felony. So in this third recording, there's a conversation between voting machine warehouse supervisor 
and Jim Savage and a director of election operations by the name of James Allen. Let's check it out. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Jim Savage and James Allen discussing getting rid of the pads and second scanners. Pads and the second scanner. We got to talk about it anymore. Why? What's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah, not a whole lot in that clip, but a whole lot in that clip, right, ladies and gentlemen? Now, in my, my opinion, the question here is how much of this goes back to the money that Zuckerberg gave them? Like uh, this, this, uh, this man here, let me go ahead and mute this and show you guys. This man here, where's he at? Where are you at? This guy here. Go away. This guy right here. This one right here. You see him? The guy that says it's a felony? That guy? How much money did they give him to do that? That's what I want to know. Like, how much money came out of Zuckerbucks to pay this man to go ahead and get away with it? But he knows we can't talk about it. It's election fraud. We can't talk about it. It's election fraud. Okay. But how much money did Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, did Zuckerberg, how much of his Zuckerbucks went into paying off these people? That's what I want to know. Because I think that's a factor, in my opinion, humbly speaking. I think they use this money to get people to do what they want. They use that money to get people to go along with it and to shut up and be silent about it. Anyways, article uh, concludes with this fourth video. A fourth video shows Gallagher speaking to the whistleblower off camera, saying that another county official handed him a box of election records and told him it was missing V drives from at least uh, the com communities of Chester, Haverford, and Holcroft. V drives electronically contain information tabulated by the voting machines. The whistleblower inquired of Gallagher why those V drives are missing, and Gallagher responded, I have no idea. Let's check out the video. Here is Tom Gallagher discussing the V drive handling with the whistleblower. I left the scathing voicemail, probably totally inappropriate, no cursing, on Friday for Lorraine because she just handed me this box and said, it's missing uh, Chester one, it's missing Haverford, Falkroft, you know, with no piece of paper. Why is it missing those V drives? I have no idea, but th there's a thousand V drives in there. And I'm like, and they all came out of the plastic cases. They were all over the place. And she, she took V drives, just shoved them in the plastic bags. And she went like this. So I left, I said, you get down here and you straighten this out. Well, Jim Allen got a hold of it and he is, He's just making check marks. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. That is some pretty damning whistleblower test uh, footage coming out of Georgia. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. I'm sorry, this is Pennsylvania, not Georgia. Pennsylvania, not Georgia. 
Um, we can decertify Pennsylvania, guys. They have them on film. They have election officials. They have uh, they have uh, people of great import who are clearly talking about knowingly, as stated in the chat, one, two, three, SKG. They knowingly knew what they were doing. They knowingly knew not to talk about it because they knew we can't talk about it anymore. It says right there. Bam. We can't talk about it anymore. It is a felony. This guy knew. How much do you think this guy got paid from Zuckerbucks in Pennsylvania? That's what I want to know. Okay. But uh, it's, it's laying out there in front of us, guys. It's laying out there. It's naked. It's in front of everybody. We can all see it. So the question here is, Will they decertify? We got uh, we got we got Corman, Senator Corman, up there in Pennsylvania playing little piddle paddle games, right? Piddle paddle, little piddly paddly, little wibbly wobbly games. They got their own little third party people going out there to do their forensic audit. Will they look at any of this? This has been submitted to court. There are people who are suing over this data, so we'll follow that as closely as we can. Sol Rico says, why don't they decertify? I can't tell you, Sol Rico, but we got to keep this information out there and we got to keep this information fresh. Let's move on to our next case of uh, voter fraud. We only got one more story after this and we'll wrap it up for tonight. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on this Thanksgiving holiday here on our 200th episode of The Sea Report. Great times hanging out with you guys and talking about election fraud, keeping this stuff fresh. Because, uh, you know, if anyone says there's no such thing as voter fraud, I hope you show them to the C report. I hope you show we have covered voter fraud and election fraud extensively here at the C report. But let's talk about Michigan. Everyone knows I like to talk about Michigan. I like to talk about wretched Gretchen Whitmer, that governor up there. I like to talk about that Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson. And of course, that crooked DA, Dana Nassau, don't forget, you need to vote for Christina Caramo if you live in Michigan for Secretary of State. You need to vote for one Matthew DiPerno if you live in Michigan. He's running for state AG. Talk about a power team. I would say power couple, but I'm pretty sure they got their own things going on over there. But love, love, love Matthew DiPerno. Love, love, love Christina Caramo. They got a place in my heart here over at the Sea Report. Let's talk about Michigan. What new stuff is going on? Like I said, this election fraud stuff is as late or as recent as early November. We're talking about, uh, yeah, less within less than two weeks ago, this stuff is coming out. Got to share it with you guys. Got to put it in a nice, neat little package for you. And uh, what is going on in Michigan? Okay, we already, okay, okay, Antrim County happened. We know everything about that. We know all about that. We know that, uh, we know that, uh, you know, Michigan is number one on the charts again for CV-19, uh, you know, um, cases and stuff like that. But, uh, well, what we see here is that uh, the good old Secretary of Snakes, who is currently inhabiting the Secretary of State office, Jocelyn Benson. Okay. She's being sued again. Okay. She's being sued again, but she's being sued this time by uh, PILF. 
Do you guys remember who Pilf is? We love, love, love us some Pilf here at the Sea Report. PILF, of course, being the Public Interest Legal Foundation, which is a legal organization that is devoted solely to fighting for election integrity in these United States of America. If you don't know PILF, P-I-L-F, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, you should get to know them today, support them, send them some donations, give them some love, talk them up, share their website, let people know that PILF is fighting for freedom in America by fighting for our right to vote and by fighting against all of these corrupt legislators and city and local governments who think that it's their job to handle the elections and do whatever the heck that they want with them, PILF is going to keep them in line. And PILF has a good track record of doing so. And now we see that the Public Interest Legal Foundation has struck again against the state of Michigan in regards to the state of their elections when they are actually suing the Secretary of Snakes, Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, because uh, this woman over here, well, she just keeps on failing to do her duties. She says, oh, well, I can prosecute one person in a rural county for not allowing me to erase the data from their voting machines, okay? She says, I can I can hold one person accountable for voting in their mother's name, right? And, and, and everyone will believe that elections are secure in Michigan while she lets one of her own uh, election officials get away with all of this voting fraud and still remain in her seat. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to other seat reports. We've talked about it before. I'm not going to show you. But um, PILF is suing Jocelyn Benson because she has failed to clean out the voter rolls of dead voters. Oh, this is a tale that we've heard before. That's why Jocelyn Benson is in front of the tombstones. She is again failed to clean out her voter rolls of dead voters. Here's a copy of the lawsuit uh, from the Public Interest Legal Foundation against Jocelyn Benson, the Secretary of Snakes for the state of Michigan. And uh, we're not going to go through all of the legal mumbo jumbo. It's a 20 page lawsuit, but we'll look at some of the important parts. Here we go. Let me go ahead and expand that on the screen for you guys. It says, the foundation's analysis of Michigan's voter roll and verifiable death records reveals that as of August 2021, 25,975 potentially deceased registrants are on Michigan's voter rolls. Of those, 23,663 registrants have been dead for five years or more. 17,479 registrants have been dead for at least 10 years. And 3,956 registrants have been dead for at least 20 years. Defendant Jocelyn Benson is the Michigan Secretary of State. Secretary Benson is the Chief Election Officer of Michigan for the purpose of the NBRA, Michigan Comp Law 16821, Michigan Comp Law 168509N. Secretary Benson is sued in her official capacity. Because defendant does not maintain accurate voter rolls, the foundation must spend more time and resources evaluating Michigan's role and attempting to correct the problems. 
The foundation has spent many thousands of dollars reviewing Michigan's election procedures and documented failures to maintain an accurate and correct voter role as required by the NVRA. Defendants' unlawful list maintenance program has forced the foundation to incur substantial costs comparing Michigan's voter rolls to the Social Security Death Index, various commercial databases, and other sources in order to identify deceased registrants. Defendants' violations of the NBRA have harmed and continue to harm and frustrate the Foundation's purposes of protecting the integrity of the electoral process, ensuring that accurate and current voter registration roles are maintained, and educating the public about the same. The Foundation's expenditure of significant time and money in Michigan seeking to rectify defendants' failure to clean up the voter rolls by removing the surfeit of deceased registrants from such roles has also forced the Foundation to divert its limited resources from other states with similar issues. All of these harms confer standing upon the Foundation to assert the claim raised in this case. Ladies and gentlemen, Jocelyn Benson stands as served by the Public Interest Legal Foundation. I'm going to share with you guys their uh, press release in regards to this matter. It kind of uh, cuts through some of the legal jargon and explains a little bit more. This is from their website. That's P-I-L-F, the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Uh, November 4th, 2021, Today, the Public Interest Legal Foundation filed a federal lawsuit against Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson for failure to remove deceased registrants from the voter rolls and for failing to provide documents regarding efforts to remove deceased registrants from the voter rolls. The foundation's analysis reveals that as of August 2021, whoopsie, my bad, sorry about that. As of August 21, there were 25, website, work with me here. For those of you watching, listening on the podcast, this website's not working with me. Okay. Okay. That's about as good as we're going to get it. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. It says uh, here. uh, Oh, yeah. As of August 2021, there were 25,975 deceased registrants on Michigan's voter rolls. Uh, The numbers again here, guys, 23,663 dead for five years, 17,479 dead for 10 years. 3,956 dead for 20 years. For example, the foundation discovered one registrant who, if alive today, would be 100 years old. She died over two decades ago, but remains an active voter on Michigan voter rolls. The foundation even uh, found her obituary from the Detroit Press, and that is one Helen Gulvezan died May 27, 2000. Beloved wife of the late Andrew, dear mother of et cetera, et cetera, and et cetera, grandmother of et cetera, and et cetera, and sister of et cetera. Visitation rights on Wednesday from 3 to 9 p.m. Sarah Custa service, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Services Thursday, 10 a.m. We won't get into that much more because it's a little bit morbid. The foundation also discovered another registrant who, if alive today, would be 108 years old. She also died over two decades ago. The foundation also found her obituary in the Detroit Free Press and her gravestone online. This is for one Teresa Doma Sequitz, born, etc., 1913, died May 20, 2000. 
longtime Detroit resident, died in Abelville, Alabama, preceded in death by husband Michael, son Ronald, and grandson Thomas, survived by sons, etc., grandchildren, etc., 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 great-grandchildren, etc., 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 sister, etc., etc., and brother, etc., Memorial Mass at Our Lady, Queen of Heaven Catholic Church, 8175 East Lance, Detroit, Saturday, June 3rd at 10 a.m., and there is also an image of her gravestone for uh, Teresa Ann Domaswitz. Domaswitz. <laughs> Michigan is in violation of section, section 8 of the National Voter Registration Act of 1993. That's the NVRA that was referenced in the lawsuit, the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, which requires officials to conduct a general program that make a reasonable effort to remove the names of ineligible voters from the official list of eligible voters. Before filing the suit, PILF notified Secretary Benson's Office of its findings of deceased registrants on the state's voter rolls in September of 2020 and November of 2020 and alerted Secretary of State Benson she was in violation of the NVRA. Okay. So there you go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, more voter fraud is coming out to light. I mean, these are just, like I said, more facets. You know what a facet is? Like when you look at a diamond and you see all those little like yeah, facets, there's beautiful little pieces to this jewel of, of, of vile voter fraud that keeps coming out. And we just got to keep a track of it, guys, because it's there. And we cannot let it rest, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to stay on top of it. And we're doing a great job of it so far with many thanks to organizations like Voter GA and many thanks to organizations like the Public Interest Legal Foundation. This stuff keeps coming out. It'll keep coming to the forefront. And the lamestream fake news legacy media will not be able to hide it as long as we keep pushing the truth and pushing the narrative of truth, it it bifurcates, it cuts right through to the bone, ladies and gentlemen. When we're talking about the lies and the propaganda that they expect us to believe, but we've got hard, cold facts on our side, as long as we keep it out there, guys, it will come forward. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we got our last story for tonight, and we'll call it a wrap. Give me about 10 more minutes. And we'll call tonight's story a wrap. Uh, real quick, many thanks to Ohio Kimmy. Appreciate you gifting us the can for our 200th episode of the Sea Report. We might be two weeks late, but we made it to episode 200. Thank you for being here with us and joining us on this trip, on this journey. And Sean Joe, my friend, thank you for donating dough, the cookies, two cookies, and keeping that cookie jar full. Most appreciated, as always. <laughs> CJM61, don't even. Jocelyn Benson is a MILF against PILF. I'm going to show you some rather unattractive photos of Jocelyn Benson. I usually do a pretty good job about that, but I had to get her with the picture against the tombstones. Anyways, last story for tonight, guys. Let's talk about Florida, okay? Because, again, Florida is a state that won 
for President Trump in 2020. And a lot of people are like, well, is Florida going to do an audit also? We want an audit of all 50 states. We want an audit here in Texas. I hail from Texas, guys. We need an audit of the state of Texas. It's very crooked, shady, backwards, and bamboozling here in Texas. Trust me, believe me. Guys, it is. And for some, you know Texans, you know Texans are proud, okay? And I'm telling you, we're screwed if we don't get an audit in Texas, 100%. So with that said, Florida. The story on Florida comes out of the Public Interest Legal Foundation also, PILF. The people who are suing Jocelyn Benson, they are also behind the story of voter fraud here in Florida today. Perking up those ears, just a little bit of an interest, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at CJM. Anyways, okay. So what is what is uh, PILF's interest in Florida? Why are they going after Florida? Why are they going after good old Governor Ron DeSantis? And we all know that Governor Ron DeSantis said probably about two to three weeks ago that they were going to create an office of election investigation, election fraud investigation. Like Florida is a state that's going to have the first office of its kind in any of the 50 states. It's going to be a state level office that is designed specifically to investigate election fraud in Florida. No one else has anything like this. Ron DeSantis is showing us his DeSantis by making that kind of an office. Props to DeSantis, right? But maybe, maybe, maybe what the Public Interest Legal Foundation had to say about the state of Florida and their counties and their municipalities has something to do with the reason why Ron DeSantis is in fact creating an office for election fraud uh, investigation could have something to do with it because according to PILF, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, Florida, the state of Florida, is actually a safe harbor against election-related crimes. Uh, that's right. If you are someone who commits election fraud, if you are someone who commits voter fraud, depending on where you are in Florida, you actually have safe harbor because the district attorneys there don't do squat about any type of claims of election fraud or voter fraud in that state. So let's take a look at what PILF found about voter fraud, election fraud in the state of Florida. The report says how many potential election related crimes languish in Florida prosecutor's office. Okay, we're talking about the prosecutors. We're talking about the DAs here, guys. What are they talking about? Okay, let me expand this just a little bit for you all. Oh, can I not expand it? What is going on? Oh, here we go. Here we go. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Okay. Now I want to shrink it a little. <laughs> Come on, Pilf, work with me here. Now it's too big. Now I can't. <laughs> now I can't. Okay, we're having a little on the air shenanigans, guys. Hang in there with me. Let me do this. Bam. Okay, I'm going to do this. Bam. Bam. Obama. Okay, here we go. Okay, just need to make sure that this is nice and cozy for you guys to read.
<laughs> it's not cooperating. Okay, let me do this. All right. And we're going to do this. 75, 189. Okay. We're going to do this. Okay. Let me just reframe this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Oh, my word. Okay. Hold on. We're going to figure this out. Oh, okay. Hold on. There are ways around this. Trust me. Believe you me. Ha. Okay. <laughs> here we go. All right. And we're not going to mess with that anymore. Let me just do this. Okay. Here. Okay. So it says, what are you doing to me? Oh my God. Stop it. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So it says here now, let me, okay. We're expanded. Okay. Um, documents detail that Florida prosecutors received 156 referrals from nine county supervisors of elections about potential criminal election law violations. Tallahassee, Florida, November 10th, the Public Interest Legal Foundation released a report detailing election crime referrals for supervisors of elections sent to prosecutors throughout Florida. PILF received documents detailing 156 referrals from nine county supervisors of elections, SOEs, about potential criminal election law violations, a 10th county, Hillsborough, informed PILF of its policy to not alert prosecutors to potential violations. PILF followed these referrals through Florida criminal databases and court records where available and found little follow-through from prosecuting authorities. PILF did not find matching records of prosecutions or convictions in any of these Florida counties. It is unknown why law enforcement did not pursue these matters. Justice does not prevail when prosecutors never receive referrals or receive them and allow them to gather dust. And there is no deterrence in a system where potential election criminals know there is no chance of being prosecuted even after getting caught. Not prosecuting election-related crimes is a serious problem throughout the country, said PILF President and General Counsel Christian Adams. When these crimes are not prosecuted, there is no deterrence from committing them. Governor DeSantis is taking a key step in the right direction by urging the Florida legislature to create the Office of Election Crimes and Security that will solely be dedicated to investigating and prosecuting election fraud. All 50 states should create a similar office dedicated to investigating and prosecuting election crimes. Ladies and gentlemen, did I not say DeSantis is showing us his DeSantis by creating such an office? And PILF is giving him some acknowledgement for this. So perhaps this, uh, perhaps this report that the Public Interest Legal Foundation is a bit of an animus behind Governor DeSantis creating it. But you see, 156 referrals go out in the state of Florida and not one county does a thing about it. They let it sit on the back burner. They sit, they let it sit in the, and gather dust and don't do anything about anything in that regard. We're almost done. What we're going to do now, I'm going to close this one. Uh, where are you at? I got you here somewhere. Oh, here it is. We're going to look at the report, guys. 
We're going to look at the report. Now, we're not going to look at all of the report, but what I want to do is I just want to look at two counties so we can get an idea of what the Public Interest Legal Foundation found in this safe harbor report where the counties of Florida, the prosecutors, the DAs, they're not doing nothing. They're, that's a, that, is a, that is bad grammar. They are doing nothing. They're not doing anything. Okay, about any of the referrals that they're getting about election fraud. So we're going to take a look at this report. We're going to look at two of the counties and we'll call it a night so you guys can enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving holiday. And I thank you all again for joining us on our 200th episode. Uh, so looking at this uh, report here, uh, let me see here. We got uh, most common potential election fraud crimes refer oh sorry let me expand this for you guys there we go most common potential election crimes that were referred double voting mail in person voting that's double voting mail in or in person uh, that's a felony up to 5 years $5000 fine double voting generally speaking is a felony up to 5 years $5000 fine assuming another voter's name a felony up to 5 years $5000 an eligible voter, a non-citizen, we saw a lot of that. That's happening in Texas a lot, guys. Felony, up to five years, $5,000 fine. False swearing in voter registration, a felony, up to five years, a $5,000 fine. Uh, petitioning, multiple or fake names. Petitioning, signature quotas for pay. Those are misdemeanors up to a year, $1,000 each. And petitioning, unregistered circulator, a misdemeanor up to 60 days and $500. Now, right down here, uh, it gives you the referrals to prosecutors by county. So in this report, you see that uh, we have Hillsborough County, Florida, Miami-Dade, Orange, Duval, Alucua, Broward County, Palm Beach, Pinellas County, Polk County, and St. Lucie, uh, San Lucie. Right. And these are the number of referrals that they got in Hillsborough. They don't know, because as uh, it said in the Public Interest Legal Foundation um, press release, Hillsborough does not report these referrals to the DA. They don't report them. So they don't know the number here. Broward County had a striking 78 referrals, all sitting on the back burner, all collecting dust. They're not doing anything about it. Miami-Dade up for second with 42. Like I said, we're not going to look at all of these. We're going to look at maybe two of them. Looking at the report, uh, can you get away with voter fraud in for Florida, it asks. The short answer, it depends on who catches you. The Sunshine State has a straightforward set of rules for its elections. Florida empowers county officials to investigate when they believe the rules are broken. Their findings are then transferred to law enforcement. Safe Harbor details where the system appears to stop. In 2021, the Public Interest Legal Foundation asked Florida, uh, large Florida counties for information regarding referrals to prosecutors before and around the 2020 election. PILF received documents detailing 156 referrals from nine county supervisors of elections about potential criminal election law violations. A 10th county, Hillsborough, informed PILF of its policy to not alert prosecutors to potential violations. The counties showing the most referrals to law enforcement are Broward, Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach. So let's take a look at that. And what does it say here? 
It says the supervisor of elections is authorized to investigate fraudulent registrations and legal voting and to report his or her findings to the local state attorney and the Florida Elections Commission. The Board of County Commissioners in any county may appropriate funds to the supervisor of elections for the purpose of investigating fraudulent registrations and illegal voting. All right, we're going to look at, uh, well, we don't really need to look at Hillsborough, guys, because we're so, because they just said here they don't report them. Hillsborough does not report election fraud to the prosecutors. It says here, Hillsborough County is the only surveyed jurisdiction to deny access to records because they refuse to maintain a system where such records could be generated. This means election criminals in one of the largest cities of Florida have little to fear. Please be advised that the supervisor's office has no response, re responsive records as we do not refer cases to the state attorney's office. Signed, Mary Helen Ferris, Deputy County Attorney General Counsel. Okay, so that's Hillsborough County in Florida. We're only going to look at one more, guys, and that is Broward County, and we'll call it a due. Broward County, let's see what they found here. Total referrals to prosecutors, 78. Okay. Uh, of those voted twice, 23 of them. Uh, VBM signature mismatches for the 2020 general election, 20. Non-citizens who voted, 30. Felons who voted, 4. Petition violations, 1. The state's attorney is Harold F. Pryor. Soros involvement, Pryor defeated Soros-backed Joe Kimmock. Uh, the uh, SOE or Supervisor of Elections is Joe Scott, and the registered voters in Broward County are 1.2 million. Uh, the report says the Broward County Supervisor of Elections was the first office in Florida uh, survey to disclose documents surmising, summarizing referrals to local prosecutors. The single document dated on or after January 25th, 2021 lists the full voter names reasons for their referrals, and dates of letters to law enforcement numbering 78 in total. According to the county records, the earliest referral occurred on April 3rd, 2019. The documents show that law enforcement personnel were alerted to 20 individuals who reportedly voted twice in an indisclosed election. One additional person was listed as a non-citizen voter. On June 20th, 2019, five individuals were referred to prosecutors as non-citizens. On July 17, 2019, a person identified in the county records as a felon was handed over to prosecutors. The record does not state whether a vote or a standalone registration record triggered the matter. On August 6th, August 14th, September 6th, September 17th, October 10th, and October 16th, a total of six more alleged non-citizens referred to prosecutors. On November 8th, 2019, Broward County broke its pattern of referring individual registrants and raised concerns about Keep Our Constitution Clean Incorporated over an alleged petition collector's violation. From November 8th to March 2nd, 2020, five more non-citizens were found. Days before the election on November 4th, 2020, three cases of alleged felon voting violations were referred. In the immediate aftermath of the 2020 election, county officials raised alarm over 20 individuals regarding vote-by-mail signature mismatch. The paper trail ends in Broward County on January 25th, 2021, with three individuals who allegedly voted twice in the 2020 general election. 
The Broward County Summary document provides the broadest array of potential Florida election law violations involving individuals as opposed to political entities or government employees. The largest subset, non-citizen referrals, can implicate one or two violations of Florida election law as well as federal criminal laws, depending on whether and to what degree said individuals voted. On one hand, it is a third-degree felony to willfully swear false information on a voter registration application, such as when a foreign national indicates they are a U.S. citizen and are therefore eligible to vote. The list of potential crimes grows long for the non-citizen when voting history in past elections is examined. It is a separate third-degree felony for anyone who, knowing he or she is not qualified elector, willfully votes at any election. Each violation risks a maximum of five years in prison and a fine limited to $5,000. Okay, so uh, that is a, a quick rundown on that. What they have pictured here, and they do this for every county mentioned, they show you who the state attorney for the county is. In this case, we have one Harold Pryor and one Joe Scott Joe Scott being the supervisor of elections for Broward County. Now, Joe Scott would be the guy who referred him to Harold Pryor. And Harold Pryor is the man who is doing nothing about election fraud in the county of Broward in the state of Florida. So uh, this is a, an entire in-depth, breadth-depth, it's all there, ladies and gentlemen, that the Public Interest Legal Foundation did for the state of Florida is called safe harbor because apparently in the state of Florida, if you're an election criminal, you are safely harbored from any type of prosecution or accountability. But it looks like Governor DeSantis is trying to do something about that by uh, uh, trying to get the state legislature to create this brand new office of election accountability in the state of Florida Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the conclusion of today's C-Report. I thank you once again from my heart to yours for being with us today. Whether you are joining us over at thefoxhole.app or pill.net, if you are live with us over at CloutHub, ScrewTube, or Twitch, thanks for being present with us on this day, this uh, Thanksgiving 2021 it's been a swell time, ladies and gentlemen, and I think a very nice way to spend our 200th episode with you, all of us who have been here with us as we've journeyed on through and through. And real quick, I'd like to give a quick thanks to uh, 123SKG. Thank you for gifting the shades over there at pilled.net and voxel.app. Blonde Blue Lady Q, it's always a pleasure to see you, my friend, in the chats. Thank you for, uh, for gifting the phone. Uh, Blonde Blue says, popping in real fast to tell you I love you and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, my heart to yours. I love you too, Blonde Blue Lady Q, and thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and for all of you who joined us, I see you popping in there. Babsy Ice Queen, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And everyone else who's been hanging out today, thank you much. Thank you for Zena. I see you there too, Zena. How's it going? Thank you for uh, gifting over uh, donations to the Sea Report. You guys keep us alive and well. You'll keep the lights going. You guys managed to get me through the illness that I was suffering the last two weeks. Uh, to many more, ladies and gentlemen, I give my thanks, my heartfelt gratitude. We will see you guys again soon. 
Make sure you stay tuned to Mr. CTV on all channels that we're broadcasting on. You never know what you're going to get from us. And always, 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 please visit us over at anchor.fm slash the C report or uh, look for the C report on your favorite podcast player. You subscribe for free. You get every episode in your ear. And we will be there for you guys like you've been there for us. Until next time, guys, and until next Thanksgiving, you guys be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. Have a great night and take care.